Friends, there's a lot to report on what's happening at the front lines of faith. Having just returned from Romania, Moldova, and Ukraine, we've seen firsthand how the Church is stepping up in amazing ways to serve and save those being driven out of Ukraine by Putin's war. These pastors, congregations, and volunteers have put themselves on the line for the gospel and for their fellow man. We need to support them. The interview you'll hear today is one of those amazing servants. Since the Iron Curtain fell in 1989, this gentleman has been actively supporting and encouraging the kingdom in Ukraine and all the other Eastern European nations through an ambitious network of creative thinkers, artists, and worship leaders. His arts festival held in numerous countries for almost 20 years drew tens of thousands from dozens of nationalities and languages. The work continues to have a lasting impact on how the gospel is transforming that part of the world. And it's one of the amazing untold stories behind how Ukraine came to be the democratic nation that it is today. It's painful to visit how much suffering has befallen so many friends and ministry partners, but it's essential. And it will give you important insight into the large-scale spiritual war being fought over the same territories that Empire is contesting now. And again, please support the work of the Church in Ukraine through our Serve Ukraine project. I'll tell you how later in the program. Today on Compassion Radio. I don't know what the future holds, and probably don't need to get into our opinions of Putin, but the reality is the church needs to stand up. I think it is to some degree. Sadly, I think there's a lot of churches here in America who could do so much more than we're doing Mm. because we're still caught up in talking about how much we do versus doing. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Compassion Radio, where you'll hear the story behind the story you think you know. For the past two days, we've visited with Randall Morgan, a Renaissance man of faith, who's made it his mission to empower creative people to live out their faith through their art. Right now, he's busy on the story of his life and the lives he's seen changed by the power of a living gospel through the dozens of countries that were liberated from communist rule just three decades ago. Nations like Hungary, Poland, Estonia, and Slovakia. Nations that now face a renewed imperialist threat from Russia, while another, Ukraine, burns for standing up for freedom. In a suddenly endangered free Europe, is there any good to be found? Well, because of the good work and the foundation that was laid 30 years ago, the church in Eastern Europe has never been more alive. It is the backbone holding together the hope of millions who want to live, worship, and seek their destiny in a free world. Randall Morgan was there to see it unfold, and he's standing watch now with friends making the sacrifice to save their countries and dream of a better tomorrow in the 21st century. We conclude our discussion today on the power of gospel-changed lives to face unimaginable challenges, even horrors, and still have a good news message to share. Thanks for joining us today. Anywhere we're proud of and we've been complimented on and we've been you know, encouraged that is where we thrive. That's where we do well. Yeah. So how can we expect them to be any different? They are accepted in society if they're musical, but not for any other reason. So then what are you going to do? You're going to play your music. <laughs> you know, how do you aspire to be a doctor if you've been raised in a gypsy camp and, and all you know is music? Not all you know is music, but you know what I'm saying, that that's kind of been a point of pride for them with gypsy music is well known in the world. There aren't many doctoral dissertation programs or medical schools that travel with an itinerant group of people. 
They are grounded and they're based on the societies that were willing to build those institutions. So the institution that you see within an itinerant community are a whole lot different in structure and in feel. That's why I think they have a lot more in common with biblical times and modern times. And yet it's being transformed. So the kind of music that ends up in worship, what, what have you sensed when they brought that music to you at your Sozo festivals? What did they contribute that was unique and distinctive that everyone benefited from? Well, everyone loved at the festival, not, I won't say everyone, because you've always had people who would probably hide their prejudice. But overall, people really warmed to, to the Amado Del Band at, at the festival because they were warm people. And we also provided for them Leading up to the festival, we have about three days of staff where they put the festival together. We put the tents up when we do set the stage up and the sound and the lights and all that. I remember one of them telling me that they had never, he was not my age, but probably about 20 years younger than my age, but he'd been around a while. And he said he had never been given responsibility before. And he was so appreciative, not only for the responsibility, but the fact that no matter what he did, everyone said, that's great. You did a good job because it felt good. He was being affirmed. And he yeah. didn't probably was not a race from a society or background or even home. But to just watch them and then being part of worship with them, the, the excitement and the joy they brought to it. You know, when you've been downtrodden, when you've been forgotten to praise the Lord and to realize that you're part of a family that's much bigger than just your own little group, yeah. there's joy in that and so to, to join with them to sing and praise in the same and they oftentimes the band would play some songs in english and we'd worship with them and then they would do their ukrainian songs slash hungarian songs and romanian songs just an amazing people i, I love them very much i communicate with my brother carlos and ruslan and those guys almost every day you know so i i miss them and i hope to eventually get back over there so what's your read on this right now in the midst of all of this wave of refugee humanity and all the displaced persons throughout ukraine right now what are their prospects them as a community and them as ukrainians what do they do next and how are they coping with all of the dislocations they see around them sadly i think and I mean, actually probably the good news is i think a lot of people in in Poland and Hungary and area have taken everyone in they can. Sadly for the Roma people is that generally only Roma people will take Roma people in. Mm-hmm. So uh, um, because there's that still that distrust or we don't you know we don't want them in our homes for prejudice reasons and everything. But I don't know what the future holds. And I, I'm saddened not only for the Ukrainians and the Romas and the Hungarians and the and the Poles and all those that, that border the Moldovans, Romanians, but I'm sad for the Russians as well. Mm-hmm. They don't want Amen. this war. You know, these guys have heard thought they were going on a reconnaissance kind of thing or training in Crimea, and all of a sudden they find them in Dating. Well, they weren't even set up. They didn't have the food. They didn't have the, the necessity set up for them. So they're hungry as well. Hmm. You know, I know there's not a lot of sympathy for them right now, but I have sympathy for them because they're just 18, 19, 20-year-old guys who just want to go home. And when they do surrender, they have been captured. You, know, you saw, you've seen pictures of the people giving them their Ukrainian phones so they could call their moms. Well, that brings me to tears. Hmm. You know, I might go, of course, Anyway, I, I don't know what the future holds, and probably we don't need to get into our opinions of Putin, but the reality is the church needs to stand up. I think it is to some degree. Sadly, I think there's a lot of churches here in America who could do so much more than we're doing mm. because we're still caught up in talking about how much we do versus doing. Okay, well, take up the task then. What is it that we could be doing more of? You're going to get me in trouble, aren't you? Um, yeah, why not? I'm the one taking the hits here, so it's my program. <laughs> don't worry about it. 
I think, I mean, I think the churches, especially in Eastern Europe, have really, or in, in Western Europe, have done well. But, you know, because they don't have the resources. Most churches in Europe are not rich churches. Mm-hmm. We are so used to big churches here. I was thinking about this yesterday as a major big black Tahoe almost ran over me on the street and it pulled away from me and it drive, you know, driving way too fast in a parking lot. I noticed the fish on the back of it. And I thought, and God is good. I'm going, well, would God be good if you drove just a piece of junk? You know? (laughs) So, which I know is very judgmental, but reality is we have so many resources and we, and we love to talk about what we do. Um, And I think everyone should read When Helping Hurts out of the Chalmers Center in Chattanooga, because you you and I both would know what that looks like being in missions for so many years and being overseas. We want to make ourselves feel better by throwing food or supplies at people, but we're not really there for the long haul to train them up and to help them change their lives. And that is disappointing. If I boiled it down to like one statement, I think it encapsulates the idea of what it means for When Helping Hurts is when we go somewhere and insist on being a savior and not serving a savior, we really screw things up. We end up coming over people rather than under them. And there's never been a time where I've seen success happen in ministry where God didn't make the point clear to us, you are not here to show anything or to demonstrate anything or to teach anything. You are here to come under what I'm already doing here through the people I've already placed here. If you're willing to go under, you will lift up. And I will lift you up on that day. Absolutely. That's the message that always has come through to me. And it's a difficult discipline, though, when you've always sensed that you're coming to bring something to people rather than coming to learn something from God's people. We miss so much. And I'm hoping that the church really does understand that coming under means to lift up others, to go there and to serve if you're going to go, but also to not keep them from coming to you so you can serve them where you are here. And the idea of keeping them out of our country, those others, you know, I just want to send the money to Ukraine to take care of them there. Right. We may not have that option in the next few years. We may not. America may have to step up as a nation and take in a whole lot more refugees than we've ever taken in through one conflict. Same with Canada. We may have to, in this hemisphere, say a world away is now a world here to stay and get serious about adjusting our expectations for our insular position, that we should not have to be affected or have to pony up or have to cough up anything for this. It's not our fight. Yeah, it's our fight. The world is in our living rooms now in every way imaginable. Absolutely. And it is a world war we're fighting here because I think Zelensky's right about this. If this is not dealt with, and I think not just militarily, but economically, politically, culturally, and spiritually, if it's not addressed now, totalitarianism is the future of the 21st century. And I really believe that God does not intend his people to be under the yoke of oppression, but he will let it happen if we let it happen. He's not going to take the lead on this and force us into freedom. We have to be respectful and responsive to his truth and act in a way that will bring about these things as if they are fruit growing on a vine. So you and I have a big passion for the people that we're talking about here, but I'm going to give you the last word, Randall. What is it that America really needs to hear right now to get our hearts ready for what's coming and what you would encourage us to pray for when facing this monolith, this huge disaster that's happening in Eastern Europe right now? For 78 years now, we've depended on the faithful encouragement of friends just like you to bring this unique radio and media ministry to the air each day. As I mentioned at the top of the program, we have a very special giving opportunity for a special offering to the church in Ukraine, and we need to stand with them. 
Our toll-free order line is 1-800-868-2478. That's 1-800-868-2478. If you need to call early or late, that's okay. Just make sure to leave your name and phone number, and we'll get back to you immediately when the doors open each business day. You can also give anytime online at CompassionRadio.com. And if you prefer to put a stamp on it, you can always find us at Compassion Radio, P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. Another really simple and effective way to give to the needs in Ukraine is through our text-to-give option. Just text Serve Ukraine, that's one word, to 53445 and give right through your phone. And let others know they can give right to real needs of kingdom brothers and sisters as they care for refugees pouring into all the other East Bloc countries. They know what they're doing, and they're doing it all in the name of Jesus. So please, give generously through our Serve Ukraine project. Again, just type Serve Ukraine, one word, to 53445. And please give what you can today. And now, back to the interview. Well, first, I just want to say that, you know, we've been here before. History repeats itself. Yes, it does. So if you think that Hitler said, we only want Poland, we want Poland because we have so many German people there who Mm -hmm. want to be part of Germany, right? So it's kind of the same thing with Crimea. And so we we allowed that. And then what did he do? That wasn't enough. Enough is never enough for a dictator. So there, you know, what will happen if he takes Ukraine? Well, he won't be finished. That's just the start. On the American front, I think the church, we have to learn how to talk to people. You know, political correctness can shut us down. I saw that living in England. They're so afraid of saying the wrong thing that they won't say anything. So my black friends in, in, in England said, you know, that we feel prejudice against us. And we're British. We were born and raised here. You know, and we, we speak with a British accent. I need to qualify what you're saying right now, Randall, because you have a world experience and view when you say that word political correctness. For those who have never really ever been outside of America, political correctness boils down to a few very narrow social issues that we are fighting over in our country. But over there, it has to do with freedom of expression in general. Can people of faith speak freely about their faith and not be persecuted for it or being told to shut up by authorities or by society in general? And they can have very different opinions about the social issues that you and I think of when we think of American political correctness. But I am absolutely with you on the idea that we can't be thinking politically when we open our mouths. We need to be thinking kingdomly right? by all means. Right. So go ahead and expand on that again, because I don't want people to misunderstand what you're saying about political correctness. Yeah, I just think if I'm afraid that I can't refer to my friend as African American or Black, mm-hmm. or what which which one do you prefer? Blah blah blah. You know, I just think we become so afraid that we don't say anything, yeah. and then when we stop talking to each other, that's going to be much worse. Yeah. The church, we have the good news. We don't look like we have the good news. <laughs> yeah. I have a good friend in North England, John Lee, who runs a wharf there where I housed my canal boat when I lived on it. Uh, and John used to say, Randall, tell your face you're saved. And I went, I think the world, <laughs> we, the church needs to tell, we need to tell our faces. Start that with we're the saved. mirror, I guess. Yeah, that's right. And get out there and meet people and love people. You know, you can meet people anywhere if you just just be wise. You can comment on their clothes or their baby or their dog. You know, you can start conversations and bring good news to people, but it can't happen if we're afraid to talk to each other. And that is my concern with political correctness. Mm. What if I say the wrong thing? You know what? If I say the wrong thing, I can say, I'm so sorry. Or I can even start 
I don't want to offend you. May I ask this question? You know, we, mm-hmm. you know, evangelism is not about telling people about the Lord first. It's about listening to people first. Yes, amen, brother. <laughs> we forget completely that the evangel is the one who brings testament to what is not seen but is being revealed. Yes. And we are so afraid of just telling the story we have in our hearts, but more importantly, to listen to the story that God's already begun to write in their hearts. Absolutely. Because you might have a chapter that is ready to be written because God is going to bring those ideas to them through you. But he didn't start with you. And people that we're reaching out to, that we love, we want to love, are the very people that God has already loved all along, and he's preparing them for that time to be in your face. Absolutely. You know, I can quote scripture to someone all day long and not lead them any closer to the cross. But when I tell my story, when I tell my story coming from the national music industry and being all over the world, I tell my story. That's why I'm writing my book, my aortic dissection, living nine and a half weeks with a torn aorta. And then my journey of faith coming from a childhood where it was more religion than relationship Mm -hmm. and then finding the Lord at 35, 36 years old. And then this, the life change. When you tell your story, you can change people's lives. When you tell your story, in my opinion, you can prove God. You can prove, legally speaking, that he exists right where you are. Absolutely. You don't have to be forced to be someplace you're not. But as far as this realm of me in the kingdom goes, I have a story to tell. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not afraid of it. And at the same time, you've got a story and I want to value it and know it. So we reach out that way of saying, you have a place at my table You have a place in my kitchen to cook your food your way so I can enjoy it with you. You have a place in my living room. I can learn how to cook it because I'm watching you. Yeah. But it's the fellowship. I mean, the breaking bread together is a big concept in Scripture. And we don't give it a lot of credit in modern day because we think about hospitality being a very specific, organized kind of thing. Hospitality had to do with, I will stop my life and what I'm doing, what I expect to do, to make room for you. That's pretty much it. Absolutely. And whatever you need during the time you're with me is my responsibility, not just to you, but to God. And we take that great honor with us because that's what the scripture means by you never really know if the person you're entertaining is what you think they are, because it might be anything as crazy as an angel in disguise for all you know. Sure. So treat them like it's God himself sitting across the table from you. That's right. Absolutely. And you've done a marvelous job over your years, Randall, of of exemplifying that and training people how to do it. And opening up your heart in the big way. I'm so proud of you for that. Thank you, sir. And I really do thank you for what you've shared so far. We Obviously, together, we need to be praying for this particular group of people that's washing out of Ukraine in the wake of this horrible tsunami of violence. Yes, yes. And that includes ethnic Ukrainians, ethnic Russians, ethnic Roma, ethnic Hungarians. There's all kinds of different cultures and peoples and languages that are spilling out. It's a diaspora of magnificent size. I mean, and it's horrible to watch. And yet, for some reason, I think God is allowing it. But he's also allowing you and I and our friends, Randall, to be aware of it and to step up. Of course. And I, I really, I don't know how else to say that other than that. God gave us this time and he gave those people to us to do something with because he wanted us to be the ones to do something, to show real love, his kingdom love, his evangel, his good news at a time that no one else in history could do but now. Right, right. Any other last words you got for us, Randall? Just what you just said. It's good to be alive in this time. Yes, it's hard. We're watching a very different world than than I grew up in and even you grew up in. But the reality is it's good to be here and good to be alive at this time because we can do so much. So my goal, and I think your goal is with Compassion Radio and the different things that you're involved with, is to help wake the church up to say, no, we have the good news. We have the answers. We have the social programs, not our governments, 
we have the love, we have Christ. And so just pray for people, pray for the people that you don't know, but God knows mm. who they are. Pray for all those nations that you just listed. We really, really need to God to move in their hearts and draw them to him through the love of the church. Now, as I'm saying goodbye to you, I'm looking at all the logos that are speaking back to me from your T-shirt and from your hat and stuff. You have different projects going, including the book you're writing right now and finishing. But the Friends to Go, tell me a little bit about that project and how we could learn more about what you're doing right now. Friends is a ministry out of Community Church of Hendersonville, which is a longtime friends, Doug and Linda Varnado, who I went to Lipscomb with went way, way back. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have a ministry there at the church called Friends. And, it, you know, the whole 2080 thing that we have mm-hmm. in the church of 20%, you know, do, giving and we assume, yeah. 80% receive and that sort of thing. Well, the Friends ministry actually helps to reverse that, making more and more people get involved because it breaks it down. Their teams that fall under Friends. So you've got all these different teams, whether you think from one of their teams that I love is Noah guys. Okay, it came from, <laughs> do you know a guy? Because there's a single woman in our church who needs a tree cut down and she can't do it or it needs her oil change. Do you know a guy? So they became the Noah guys. Fun. And so you've got that. We've got compassion ministries, just all kinds of prayer, taking care of the teenagers, taking care of people going away to college, send them some care baskets throughout the year, uh, working with local schools, that sort of thing helping kids to read. So Friends is just a great ministry that pulls them together. Friends to Go is the future because we want to see how we can actually now replicate that, multiply that, and bring that into other nations. And I was texting Linda yesterday about how can we take that into Europe? Because after this craziness, or even if this craziness doesn't end soon, there's going to be a, a lot of need there for the churches to know how to reach mm-hmm. out because they need organization. So friends helps organize the church to become more of an 80-20 versus a 20-80. There you go. So that's kind of what that is. And then another group I work with here is Cultivate, which is a farm that meets just about a mile from me. And they have land there at the uh, Ellington Agricultural Center in Nashville. But they're also helping churches to start farms small farms, just gardens. I have a garden in my backyard. We couldn't meet yesterday because they plowed up my garden <laughs> because I'm doing it with my neighbors. So yeah. three neighbors, we, we're going to grow together for this year like we did last year. So cultivate, basically the, the premise is grow three, sell one, give two away. Hmm. And then also with so many immigrants in Nashville, it's a great place to get other churches involved in having whatever if whatever small plot of land they have. Let's put some raised gardens or, or in-ground garden, whatever. So I'm just blessed to be part. Nashville has a lot of, a lot of initiatives, yeah. but there's some real compassion growing. So I do see compassion growing, don't you? Amen to that. I would love to see more of that. Hey, I'd love to keep my name. <laughs> Give it away to others. Absolutely. And I suppose the, the elders among us, the eldest of us, probably do remember back to World War II times and the victory gardens that were yeah. mandated by the government. Absolutely. If we were going to survive that period of deprivation where so many people had to give up things, we had to give in to a different way of looking at things and doing things. Yeah. Yeah. So we learned to garden. And that was an entire generation coming out of the Depression through a war into new prosperity because the initiative, the energy, the enterprising spirit was encouraged, not discouraged. And I think the church needs to be behind a lot of that too, to encourage these elevate programs or these friends to go ways of engaging people out there and flipping the script on what churches are expected to do, to be lazy most of the time, but to be 20% of the time involved. I want to see a flip too. Well, yeah. Clicky country clubs. We, we need to be more about 
feeding the people and getting them involved in, in really saying, how can we help you feed yourself? Well, let's plant a garden. That's awesome. And is there a website people could go look at if they want to learn more about that kind of template for ministry and for a local church? Well, I'm not sure about, there's a cultivate website. I can't tell you what it is off the top of my head here. And uh, friends, we're developing that right now. We're setting up a board for the friends to go uh, actually in the next couple of weeks. So it will be out there soon enough. Um, I'll, I'll let you know later. We can maybe have another meeting about that sometime. That'd be great. I'd love to hear that story. We make a whole program on it. Now, in the meantime, this particular podcast still will be up on the website going forward. As soon as we have links to anything that's developed on those ministries that we mentioned at the end of this program, I'll make sure those links are added to the podcast page of our website when you let me know those things. That would be great. Again, I want to thank uh, Randall Morgan from Nashville, Tennessee area, uh, a good friend and all fronts, multiple continents that you and I have traveled together on. Thank you for being alive and well after all these years and giving to the kingdom and just loving them and for keeping those relationships alive that are desperately needed right now as people that you love are stuck in the crosswire of incredibly dangerous circumstances. You're proof of life messages and just pinging them and saying you're loved, you're being prayed for, and then telling you we're still alive here, Randall. Keep praying for yeah. us. That is a eternal relationship you're talking about there. I'm so glad that God's given that to you. And let us know how it comes along, would you? I will. It's great to see you, Ron. And many, many blessings to you and your family, to Sandy. I miss you guys. Next time you're in Nashville, we'd have to make some Hungarian paprikash here at my house, okay? Amen. I'll bring along some extra paprika I have left over from my last trip. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Thanks again for that. By the way, Sandy sends a lot of love to you. Thank you. Bless you guys. Again, my thanks to Randall Morgan, author, worship leader, teacher, counselor, promoter, and all-around Renaissance man. I hope you'll be praying with us about all the people groups caught up in the conflagration that's raging across Eastern Europe right now including those hidden people groups who doubly suffered the loss of what little they had and no large group coming to their rescue. People like the Roma, who Randall has been serving for years through his arts and evangelism ministry. Send your special gift for the church in Ukraine today. Call 1-800-868-2478 or give online at CompassionRadio.com. You can also give to our Serve Ukraine project right through your phone by texting Serve Ukraine, that's one word, to 53445. God bless, and we'll see you tomorrow.